Welcome to Politics on Right. My name is Edgardo Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being here with us. We are going to have a great show for you today because I have a special person. For those who didn't check us out this morning, we have a wonderful young lady that's going to revolutionize the, the Democratic Party in North Carolina. And with that, <coughs> I think many of these younger people are going to make the change. But anyhow, how was your weekend, my peeps? Bridge MCP is in the house. Michael Rodman is in the house. Bruce Pollard is in the house. AVQE2247 is in the house. Where are the rest of my peeps? ¿Dónde están nuestra, nuestro personaje? ¿Dónde están? Estoy buscando mi gente. Mi gente, ¿dónde están? Where are my peeps? Anyway, I imagine folks are coming in. Yep, folks are coming in. There is Yvette. Avery Herod from Atlanta, Georgia. Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain. Bridge MCP from Nueva York. Uh, Michael Rodden from Nueva York. Bruce from Kingwood, Texas. E2247. Where are you from, brother E2247? I don't know where you're from. I just realized I don't know where you're from. Anyhow, I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me in a few minutos en un pro... En un próximo de minutos me vas a decir de dónde eres tú. You're telling me in the approximate minutes, where are you from? Anyhow, let's see. Bruce says, este es las lunes y ni las gallinas ponen. Okay, all right. Carl Cox is also in the house. He says, don't wear Crocs. They're meaner than gators. Might turn around and bite your foot. Oh, I didn't know that. Just learn something that I learn every day. And of course, Tom C. just made an in. He said, peeping in today, hopefully for the whole show. You've been so darn busy, brother. <coughs> brother Tom C. Brises Anderson Clayton, the youngest state party leader in the U.S., has a blue-collar blueprint. Anderson Clayton, 25, took over the North Carolina Democratic Party three months ago, aiming to reconnect with rural voters and engage the younger generation. Where have we heard that before? Isn't that something we've been talking about out here? It is like, we must, we must engage everybody. That's what, you know, I'm going to be giving a speech at a, at a Unitarian church, and that's going to be my motto. It's got to be, let's have conversations with absolutamente everybody, with absolutely everybody. Michael says, saw a mom and little kitten today for the first time on my way back home. Fed them, of course. They look like a minim clone, minimi clone of each other. I think I'm going to go back there and feed them again shortly. Oh, you're, I always knew you were a nice guy. I always knew you were a nice guy. E2247 says, Bush Show, hello relatives. Today's visit will be the greatest ever visit. Well, thank you there, sir. Bruce says, working the website, getting caught up. Anytime you guys see those, those uh, columnists and so forth on our website, note, let's give the big thank you to Bruce, who, when he gets the time, he puts them up <coughs> on the screen. I got a little choked up before I came on the screen. You know, something got like right there, you know? <coughs> All right. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, we also have in the house, oh, hi, Egberto, AVQ, Bridge, MCP, he told us, but you know what? You haven't told us yet, E2247, de donde eres, de donde eres, 
where are you? What state? What city? You know, we're not going to try to find you or hunt you down or anything like that. You know, we won't do that. But anyhow, anyhow, let's see if all of our cues are made up before I start the video because I want to make sure to give this video maximum coverage. Yeah, the emails just went out. Emails just went out, just went out, just went out. Great. Anyhow, um, AVQ says Crocs never understood that fashion trend. Then again, I like to wear plastic glide slippers or memory foam slippers at home. Are you putting me down, Mr. Are you are you teasing me, Mr. AVQ? I love Crocs. I have so many Crocs, it ain't funny. I have a University of Texas Croc. I have a medical student, you know, those black Crocs that really grabs onto the ground. I have those Crocs. I have probably at least five pair of Crocs. And that doesn't inc include the ones that got damaged and torn up or, or, or whatever. I love my Crocs. Let's say, hey, E2247, Egberto, he did tell us. Oh, he did? Where, where, where was it? Where is he from? I don't see it. Let's see. Ayúdame, por favor, encontrarlo. Where is it? I'm looking at the screen. I'm looking at the screen, and I don't see it. So please tell me where he's from, ABQ. Bridge says, I can't wear slippers. They make me trip. I hate Crocs. Yuck. Well, I hope you don't also hate the wearer of Crocs because I am a rear wearer of Crocs. Okay. 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 No Crocs, Egberto, including a crock of beans. Oh, man. I think you mean from a crocus bag now. All right. Let's go ahead and listen to Anderson Clayton because... Uh, let's see, a while ago, not today. Oh, okay. So where, where is it? Please help me out because I want to remember it. I want to remember where he's from because I like to call people out with their cities just to show that we are covering the entire country. No, don't hate the wearer. Just make fun of them. So you're going to make fun of me now. It's okay. For those that are listening uh, all over the place, she's making fun of me. Okay, let's go ahead and listen to Anderson Clayton because I think she is our future and then you guys tell me what are your thoughts. Anyhow, let's go ahead and play that ahorita mismo. Let's get that queued up. And there we go. Welcome to Politics Done Right. She is the youngest person in the United States to run a state party. She is a Gen Z, the generation that knows what they want and will change the country if we leave it whole enough for positive change. Welcome to Politics Done Right, Ms. Anderson Clayton, Chairman of the North Carolina Democratic Party. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thank you so much for um, having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, let me ask you this. First of all, and, and please, uh, this is nothing about being ages. How does a 25-year-old become the chairperson of the entire state of North Carolina, the Democratic Party of that that state. How did that happen? Some really good organizing. Um, <laughs> well, there is a, a group called the State Executive Committee that's in every single state, and it is what the party chair is elected by from the Democratic Party. And so we had an amazing team of organizers who are all below the age of 30 across North Carolina who got active and uh, came together to really put forward a new ver new vision, a new version of what we wanted to see our party look like, which was one that was um, more inclusive, more holistic, organized across 100 counties and really saw everyone as we're talking to and every vote worth fighting for. Now, I, I love that you said that every vote worth 
Biden for? As it turns out, in your Twitter, on your Twitter header, you have the word pound rural in there. Hashtag rural. And that is something that I've been speaking about for quite some time now. You don't cede any votes to anybody. And if if we could somehow get the older generations to understand that you don't do that, you fight for every vote, that would be it would make a difference. So why don't you first elaborate on where did you come about saying we need to take the rural folks seriously? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm born and raised in Person County, North Carolina. So it's a county that's around 40,000 people-ish and it's right near the Virginia border. And it just, it was a county my entire life I spent running, I spent it running from, right? I thought that I had to get out of Person County, I had to get out of Roxborough to ever really make something of my life. And I was told myself that growing up there or told that growing up there a lot, right? And I think that most rural folks, when you talk to them, would say the same thing, that the opportunities are not there, the jobs are not there, the way to stay in your home count in your hometown or home county is not there. So I went to school at Appalachian State University and I had the opportunity to, you know, before I became Anderson Clayton in politics, I want to be the next Anderson Cooper, honestly. And so wanted to go into journalism first. And well, 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 time out. Let me just tell you, you have the disposition to do that right now. But right now we need to be in politics, girl. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. I, I always dreamed of doing it in a, diff- a different way, but I realized I had a hard time just like telling stories rather than actually speaking on them sometimes and being in rooms where, you know, you couldn't give an opinion versus you were just trying to write one down or trying to write the story. I figured I couldn't do that anymore. I actually want to be talking about the issues that I was passionate about. And so um, I went to work for Kamala Harris's race actually when she was uh, running for president in Iowa in 2019. And her campaign dropped me in a little tiny town called Bill Plain, Iowa in Benton County. And I sat there and I was like, there are no Democrats here. I do not know why I got dropped here by this presidential campaign. What on earth are they doing? And slowly but surely, I started to find and source Democrats that were passionate about seeing the first Black woman president of the United States. And I, I started to realize, oh my God, if these people are here in Benton County, what could be and exist in North Carolina? And so I, I found my way back home um, after I'd been on national campaigns for a while in 2021. And I became chair of the Person County Democratic Party in my hometown for the first time. And I just started organizing. And I said, you know, I don't care if I never win an election here in rural North Carolina, but I want to give people somebody else to vote for and something to vote for. And um, we ran three really amazing uh, Black Democrats for the Roxburgh City Council in 2021. And we knocked 600 doors three times. And we ran slate cards for the first time. And we got uh, the first ever Black majority city council that Roxborough had ever seen in its history. And it was an amazing opportunity, but it was something that I realized, you know, this should have happened all along. This should have been happening all along. And in the South where, you know, you have really diverse rural communities that no one is tapping into because we've dubbed these places Trump country for the longest time or that they're Republican and that there's never worth an opportunity getting out to them. Person County proved that wrong for me. And it was something where we have an opportunity across North Carolina to do that, but also across our country and, and especially the deep South to do that too to activate black and brown populations that just don't know our party is really speaking to them right now. What is interesting is you said something that was so important and I don't even know if you, you just ran through it and I don't even know if you see or you heard what you said. When you talk about, you like to speak in stories, you know, it is so important that people don't speak in policy. People listen in stories. 
They like to know that they can instantiate something within themselves from some story that they've heard and that we always talk policy creates a problem. And I love that you spoke about you want to, you know, I don't know how to write this down or whatever, but I wanted to talk to the people. That's all they're asking for. And that is what the other side has perfected so well. So tell us a little bit about how did you decide that I am going to do that? I'm going to pick up that mantra and I'm going to start telling my story. I I don't know. I think I've always known that I wanted to to get involved in some way and do something that was bigger than myself. My mom and my my grandma were just really strong and vocal advocates for women's rights when I was growing up. But my grandma was somebody that in a rural county, you know, you only knew one Molly Breeze and she yeah. was the person that everybody went to for help, you know, and, and when she, she passed away, unfortunately, four years ago. And but people, when they came to her funeral, they just looked at me and they said, you know, Molly Breeze was, was the person that gave me my first job. She was the person that gave me the first opportunity for me to do something. She gave me the last five dollars that she had one time. And when I think about what a Democratic Party should be, I think about that. And so I've always and I think anybody in a rural area would say they grew up knowing that they they wanted to help people and that they always would. And so to me, organizing kind of became second nature. But when I was uh, going into college for the first time in 2016, um, Republicans across North Carolina were looking at how do they disenfranchise college students the most? And they tried to take away voting sites across every college campus throughout the uh, UNC system and within our state. And I was at school at Appalachian State University, as I said earlier, and the Watauga County Democratic Party was like, no, the hell you're not. Y'all are not going to take away student voting rights because we know that when students vote and they get organized and we and they get active, right, we win elections. And so the Wichita County Democratic Party sued the state board of elections in 2016 in order to keep up a lawsuit that they had going from 2014. And they they kept that voting site, that early voting site on campus. And when North Carolina went red in 2016 for Trump, Wichita County went blue. And this is a county in Western North Carolina in the mountains that everybody always depicts as like, oh, you can't go out there. You can't organize out there for Democrats. Right. And they did. And I got involved with that. And it was the first time I had ever really felt like a small group of people coming together and doing something could really make an impact. And I I don't know, it was kind of like that was my only win in politics for a really long time, because like I said, I worked for Kamala Harris's presidential race, which didn't work out that well. And then I worked in eastern Kentucky for Amy McGrath. And and until I came back home to Roxborough, it was the first election and the only election that I'd won since. But it's what kept me going, you know, and I think that that's something for every bit of young people to to think about right now is that we've got to keep going and we've got to keep pushing and making our communities better. Anderson, you have to put the effort in. You you can't you can't leg- you, you can't you you can't just throw out some media out there, hope they listen to it. You have to go there and touch them flesh and blood. You got to be out there doing what needs to be done. And that's why you are the chair of the uh, Democratic Party in the entire state of North Carolina, because that is a sort of affirmation that people need to hear. Now, interestingly, when people talk about rural areas um, and, and we talk about speaking in stories, you go into a lot of these areas, hospitals are closing. Whose policies will reopen these hospitals, Miss Clayton? <laughs> uh, Democrats. And I think that the thing that I keep trying to tell folks is that rural communities right now, the amazing money that we're getting from the American Rescue Plan and the bipartisan infrastructure bill, it's historic. And it is for a lot of different reasons. But when you're looking at rural North Carolina, rural America in general right now, getting this money for the first time, it's the first time in 50 years a federal administration has looked at a place like Person County and said, hey, 
y'all are worth investing in and your future is worth having 50 years from now. And we're going to give you the money to decide what that can look like and what can propel it forward. And we need people in those communities to be getting to city council meetings and county commissioner meetings and honestly holding out their hands and going, where's my money? (laughs) Where's my democratic money that's coming down from the federal government right now? Because they're trying to bring our community back from the pandemic. They're trying to bring our economies back here. And with Joe Biden and the uh, Harris administration, honestly, investing in manufacturing and bringing it back to being made in America again, right? North Carolina in 2007, when we had NAFTA passing and in every situation like rural manufacturing closing, there was a a huge decline in jobs and economic opportunity for families that existed all over rural North Carolina and rural America in general for that matter too. But, and, and I just think like Joe Biden's administration is saying, no, we shouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? We shouldn't have made it so that we destroyed economies with that. We should have made it so that there was always a revitalization turn point for, for rural places. And it's just a neat opportunity right now to be able to say that. And so everywhere I go, I'm trying to tell people, Joe Biden believes in your future. Like, that's why we need him to be president. You know, it's interesting because um, uh, wherever, if you cause disruption in some particular economy, the, the, if the government created treaties to create disruptions, it's the responsibility of the government to mitigate what it created, right? And that is what was missing from NAFTA. I, I, I don't know if you get into this, but one of, one of the great parts of the Medicare for all plans that we have wanting to give everybody health care is as we displace insurance agents, as we displace all these other forms that jobs that would be lost with, with, with having a efficient, coherent system, there are ways to mitigate for that. In other words, it's not one for the other. Why is it that we don't have Democrats out there selling, not selling, telling that story the way you are able to go out there and tell the story city by city, town by town, uh, community by community? I trust that that is what you intend on doing and building back the North Carolina, the Democratic Party in North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I think that our party, when you look at and I use Barack Obama a lot as an example, because I think that was really the last time that the Democratic Party actually did sort of a mobilization drive to get people back involved with our party. Right. Like his his campaign was energizing. It brought folks out from every walk of life to get involved. And we really haven't seen that type of energy since in our party. And I think we have to question why that is. And, you know, Barack Obama's campaign did what no other one has done. And I feel like they had somebody everywhere. They organized everywhere. They had some somebody everywhere you turn with a clipboard that said, are you getting registered? Like, are you registered to vote right now? Because we want you to be involved with this process. So we have to call more people into what we're doing. We have to train more people about how to talk about these things. Because I also think that, you know, right now, folks don't know. And and I had someone the other day that came into my office and they were asking me, they said, Anderson, you know, I can't get Joe Biden's $35 a month insulin. And you know, the one thing that stuck out to me is they said, oh my God, that man just called it Joe Biden's $35 a month insulin. That's amazing right there. But the second thing- Yeah, imagine that, right? But like the second thing that he said, though, was also important is that he couldn't access it right now. And he didn't know what drug company he needed. And it's like, and it's for his wife. His wife is on insulin and she's still paying 
$500 a month for it. And he said, you know, how do I, how do I go about accessing this? And so we were able to connect him with his democratic state legislators. We were able to say, you need to go back and ask your doctor. Are they actually using Eli Lilly, who is the one that's act- that the Biden Harris administration partnered with to make this happen. But there's still some things around that, that I'm like, we need to be doing this. If that one person's got this question, there's a lot of other people that have to have this question too. Right. And right now we need to have the Democratic Party out there helping educate folks on how to access this and and really making it accessible for folks. It's the same way I feel about the affordable connectivity program, too, in that sense. Excellent. Let me let me let me give you a a quick answer about one thing as far as why didn't we continue with, let's say, uh, OFA, et cetera. Uh, People fear your vibrance, your activism, because if people realize that they're actually empowered, Many of those that are empowered that that want to ensure that you don't remain empowered, they know that power has to be shared. And mm-hmm. what you're promoting there is what a Democratic Party really should be about, and that is power sharing. Not only power sharing, but an equitable. Not not not. We, we're not looking for equal. We're we, we're not looking for everybody to be the same. We're looking for equal access to success. Equal access to success based on what you want. Now, uh, the last question I always ask is, what would you have liked me to ask you that for some reason I didn't? Oh gosh, I don't, I don't know. Um, oh, how you can get involved. That's my one field pitch always. If there's anybody from North Carolina or that knows somebody from North Carolina that might be listening to the show right now, um, ncdp.org is where you can find out how to get involved. We're doing a volunteer call on Monday at seven with attorney general Josh Stein to talk about where we go from here, because we just had a, um, abortion uh, veto override, unfortunately in our state that, uh, you know, brought into a 12 week abortion ban in North Carolina. And so we're organizing on that and we're trying to make sure that folks are out there in their communities, registering voters and talking to people about November in 2023 and 2024. Well, let me tell you, Miss Anderson Clayton, knowing that uh, North Carolina's Democratic Party is in your hands, the hands of a young woman that seems to have immeasurable energy. I think uh, I, I think only good things are going to be coming out in 2024. So you keep up the good works and uh, uh, thank you for being here on on this very quick ask for an interview. Yeah, no, thank you for inviting me anytime. Happy to gab. We, I, I mean, I can't express how impressed I was with this young lady. I saw her, I think I saw her on Friday on MSNBC and then I immediately tweeted her and said, hey, Love what you did on MSNBC. Would love to have you on Politics Done Right. Uh, a few hours later, I got the, a message back from her saying, oh, yeah, let's give me information. Got it up. And, you know, we set it up for yesterday, the best time that she had available. I, I tell you what, I could not be more impressed. If we could just have many more of her, young people, I'm not talking about folks my age or whatever. I want young people out there reinvigorating. I'm, I'm ready to follow these young folks into saying, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to get done. Because after all, the rest of the time is going to be left to them. The rest of the time is going to be left to them. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Egberto Willis, we're eating for Turtle Island is the name of the Earth or not North America, used by some indigenous people as well as by some indigenous rights activists. 
The name is based on a creation story common to several indigenous people of the North, North, Northeastern woodlands of America. They are a number of contemporary works with continue to use and tell Turtle Island. Thank you for the education. Michael Ronin said, as it comes to Kamala, she's widely disliked by the left for her actions as California's district attorney, and she's widely disliked by the right for, well, nothing good. Personally, I turned around over Kamala Harris when she was taken, uh, talking about Juneteenth with such joy. Uh, Kamala is a woman who had to live in a man's world in California. Uh, I, 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 I asked most people, like I've asked them several times with Hillary as well, do remember that. Um, you know, there, there are some other barriers that these folks had to cross. All right, let's see. Eric Hayes thinks that Biden destroyed a lot. Eric Hayes doesn't know all the things that Biden did that made the economy that he's living into livable. But again, when you're not informed appropriately, what can I say? Paul Fleming is in the house from Atlanta, Georgia. How are you doing, Paul? Uh, we also have, uh, Crocock says, need state Democratic chairperson across America and national Democratic chairperson like Anderson Clayton. I agree. Uh, when I die, spread my remains on the floor of the GOP House of Representatives. Do not under any circumstance cre cremate me first. Bury my heart on the steps of Scotus. E2247. Little too graphic for me, my brother. I want you whole. You stay here whole, okay? Maywood is in the house. How you doing, May? Uh, let's see. As we're constantly pointing out, it is up to the legislature to make the laws and up to the prosecutors to enforce the laws. If there's a reason that a defendant should not get a bail or a raised bail, it is up to the prosecution to bring it up. It would be a violation for a judge to look past crimes or even convictions. Only the prosecutor can do that. I hope you got an education, dear Mr. Uh, Hayes. All right, Egberto, I knew she was coming on, would have asked you about my friend's dad in North Carolina and getting help. We can still do that. You know, I'm in touch with her. Uh, Lee Grant, that's an odd last request, E2247. <laughs> I know, Lee Grant. I think, you know, you know, E2247 is my brother, but I don't know about cutting out a heart and doing, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. you. All right, Anderson Clayton, I love these here youngsters from E2247. And Breed says, what was that website? Which website, Bridge? Oh, you mean for North Carolina? I'll have to get it for you. Uh, Yvette Avery Herod loved the interview. She said, great interview. And Michael Rodden says, it's every case. Still talking about bail. There's over 400,000 Americans waiting in jail without bail for their trials. I don't know how many of them couldn't afford bail compared to how many were a flight risk or a risk to their communities. To me, bail should be eliminated. Prosecutors need to address each case on those two criterias alone. Criteria alone. Are you a flight risk? Are you a danger to your community? The answer to those two questions determine whether release or remand. I think that's only logical. I think you're absolutely right. You see, remember, everything we do in America is based on cash, right? In other words, what they want to say is, oh, if, if, if your money's tied up, you're not likely to run. Well, if you think you're going to be put away forever, money or not, you're going to run. That's what happens. Tom C. says, Florida Governor Ron DeCon, <laughs> Ron DeCon continues to display the unique fascismo, with fascismo credentials for the highest office in America. 
by attacking his most vulnerable constituents with more ban on books, bodies, and brains. True. Tom, see what Make America Florida do now. Make America Florida. That's, I like that. That is the new meme. Make America Florida. Paul Fleming Sr. says, nope, not possible. And Bridge MCP says, live your life as if, if Ron Satan will want to ban it. All right, the next subject today is a bit, what's the word that I want to use? Um, 60 Minutes did a piece last night. And I, I, I found it outstanding that uh, I'm looking it up right now. I had it. Uh, let me go ahead and go to the newsletter I did this morning because I found it outstanding that it turns out that at the same time, we're talking about cutting or not only cutting, but at the same time that we're talking about, let's make sure to, that those people who are getting food stamps and all of that, that they're working, you know, we have to make, we can't, uh, we, we can't have these darn people just out there. You know, I mean, you sit back, you sit back and you know that food stamps, the amount of money people receive for food stamps is so small, such a small amount of money compared to what the defense contractors get. Yet, they are all upset about what they get. I want to read you this, this piece here. With, with the U.S. supplying billions of dollars of munition, let me put that on the screen. This, this was actually the 60-minute piece that I wanted to, um, to cover. With the U.S. supplying billions of dollars of munitions to Ukraine and growing tensions in Taiwan Strait, some Pentagon generals are sounding alarms about the dwindling supply of U.S. weapons. At a time when the cost of replacing them is skyrocketing, we wondered why the Pentagon is finding it hard to procure weapons it needs at a price taxpayers. Whoop, let me get rid of that. At a price taxpayers. Uh, part of it, part of it. I lost my train here. Uh, at a price uh, that taxpayers can pay. Where am I in this thing? Uh, there we go. We wondered why Pentagon is finding it hard to procure uh, weapons it needs at a price taxpayers can afford. A six-month investigation by 60 Minutes found it has less to do with foreign entanglements than domestic ones. What can only be described as price gouging by U.S. defense contractors. All right? It turns out there is this little piece, and I'm going to see if I can get it on the screen. I think I saw it in the article. There is a little piece that costs, it's a pressure sensor that is supposed to go in, I think, the Apache helicopter or one of those. The cost, the retail cost, not the manufacturing cost. The manufacturing cost is likely a lot less. But the retail cost was about $350. That's what the Pentagon used to pay for it. Now, the defense industrial complex decided that what they would charge was $10,000 for that same part. $10,000. Thousand dollars. When an investigation was done on several of the defense contractors and on the missiles that the that the government has been purchasing from them, 
the government found out that based on the price of the missiles they paid, they could have gotten a year's, another year's worth of missiles from these defense contractors. But here is the biggest kicker that I, that, that I find astounding when it comes to corruption, when it comes to who, is, who are the ones that are ripping off the government. Here's the part. For the, let's look at the F, uh, F, the latest uh, fighter. I think it's the F-30, uh, whatever, the, F, the F-32 or something like that. I'm going to see if I can find it in the article. But here's what happens. It, the design, the development, the research was all paid for by all of you, by all of us. All of us paid for the research and development of that F-something striker. All right? But here is the kicker. And this is what the F-35 joint striker. Uh, this is a kicker. Even as... I, I tell you what, let me see if I can read that section about it because it's, it's so important. It's so important about the F, the, 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 that, that particular striker. Let me see if I can find a section in here. Uh, survive. No, there isn't. A, okay. I can't find it exactly, but here, here it is. The F-35 joint striker. Altogether, it's going to cost us $1.3 trillion. Uh, we could offset some of that cost if we did things on our own, right? Again, remember this. The government, we the people... Paid to design, research and development, and, and manufacture this plane. Even as we did that, even as the patents are owned by the government, the government doesn't have the license to build its own parts if they decide that they don't want to go with this company who developed the F-35 under our auspices. I want, to, I want you to understand what we're talking about here, which this means that there is a company who has a monopoly on this new F-35 striker that, we, that can charge us whatever they want, which they always charge us whatever they want, and the program is over budget, and worth $1.3 trillion. And here we have Republican senators wanting to increase the defense budget further to pay for these overpriced parts and etc. instead of creating laws that prevent these capitalist thugs from cheating us out of the products we paid them to develop. I want you to think about that. You have these guys negotiating that they want work, they, they want the people who are taking food stamps to be work qualified. In other words, they have to show that they're looking for work as if there are people out there that just wants to sit down and collect food stamps and don't want to go out there and work and meet people etc they just want to collect but we have these corporations like the defense contractors who lockheed who are willing to take our monies not not 
$50 here, not $100 here, not $200 there, but actually billions of dollars. They cheat us out of billions of dollars. And instead of going where the money is, where the money is going, where the theft is, we're looking at the small percentage of poor people, the small percentage of the budget that goes to poor people. Do you see what's wrong there? Do you understand what we're talking about now when we talk about an inequitable society, a society where very few people get to take advantage of the system, but the corporations do all of the times and we pay the price? Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Michael said, Egberto, SNAP benefits typically run around $80 billion a year, which went up to $120 billion during the pandemic. SNAP funding keeps impoverished people who are already struggling with poverty from starvation. It's an absolutely necessary program, unlikely, unlikely all these military industrial complex funding things. Exactly. A lot of these planes, they're toys. If you doubt it, go to the desert in Arizona and see these hundreds, thousands of planes just sitting in the desert. Never seen war. Just sitting in the desert. Live past your lifetime. It's amazing. But he says, there is nothing wrong with regional diversity, true, but there's something wrong with fascism and authoritarianism. Authoritarianism, exactly. Michael Rodden says, well, the original idea of the militia was for citizens to hold on to weapons, then give them over to the government when a war started, unless if they were directly participating. History is such a thing. It's amazing, isn't it? Maywood said, yes, according to at least the creation story as the creator was making the world, it was suggested that he should create dry land. When the creator asked how that should be done, the cormorant said that when he dives very deep, he saw something that might work. So he dived very deep long until it reached the bottom and found mud. So he filled his beak with the mud and brought it back to the great creator, the grandmother turtle volunteered her back to be the base. So the great creator took the mud and began spreading it all over grandmother's turtle back. He kept spreading until all the land were created and he began to plant trees and other plants to grow and hold the mud together and the land animals were created and whatever grandmother turtle stretches her leg, that causes earthquakes. Hmm. Wow, where did that come from? All right. Uh, Fall Fleming said they signed a bad contract. The government allowed 10 companies to be five. Yeah, that's what they did. But here's the thing, Paul. They signed a bad contract, not because they didn't know it was a bad contract, because they were bribed. That's why they knew. by And, and you know, they were either bribed in the past or bribed in the future. They know by passing all these rules, when they get out of Congress or if they're beaten out of Congress, they have a job as a lobbyist. To continue the, 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 the uh, what you call that, the revolving door. That's what they're all about. Bridge MTC, anti-woke is asleep, true? Paul Fleming says, racist people get the point, so there's no need to explain anything to them. Maywood says, replying to Rodney, yes, Rodney, and the majority of people receiving assistance like food stamps and Medicaid are already working just as low-pay jobs. Hey. Most of the people working in Walmart are on food stamps and Medicaid. Yeah, we, the people of America, are subsidizing the workers of America so that the corporations can take care of that, all that labor they're getting 
It's amazing. Michael Rowan said, I have no idea what Eric Hayes is talking about, Fetterman. Brag, Matt. <laughs> uh, well, you can keep trying to make sense of that. All right, Carl Cox says, or rather, Bree says, Lee, woke is just about every, uh, just being aware of the real issues, not the BS being pushed by the GOP. They have you wrapped in that crap. Well, we'll we are unwrapping a lot of folks, Bridge. We are unwrapping people. Carl Cox says, help the poor elderly disadvantaged. Quit helping the mega rich corporations. Leeches. Conservatives want the American economy to collapse as they can install a fascist government. That is something that we all have to be aware of. Woke has two meanings, according to Michael Rodden. Most including the left see woke as being aware of social issues especially in regards to racial injustice. A few, mostly the far right, see woke as being about policing speech, especially as it comes to hate speech coming from their side. You can probably guess where I stand on the issue, considering the commentary about the definitions. Of course, I know where you stand, and I know where I stand as well. All right, let's see what else we have. Maywood says, if it's one of the creation stories I was taught as a child. By one of my grandmothers. I trust that your grandmother was indigenous. Bridge MCP says, got off the defund BS. It means that you won't admit to. It helps police. Lee Grant says, policing speech is bad. I agree. Where is Alistair? I miss her here today. But she was at my show this morning. So she got her taste of politics done right today already. So let's see. Michael says, defund the police was always about Add in more social workers so that those social workers could deal with the mental health calls as our police have a long, sad track record of violent responding, violently responding to the disabled. Eric Hayes says, Woke did for the beer Woke did a lot for the beer company. I think you're talking about the beer company that folks tried to boycott that it didn't work. Try again. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hard take in 2024. When people realize how had they were, you know, it's going to be an interesting scenario for folks to notice that they've been had once again by the GOP. Anyway, what else are we going to talk about? I only had that one story of greatness. Wokeness will have other commercial consequences. Keep an eye on target. Again, like I said, my dear brother, um, uh, Lee Grant, you all that are that are trying to make an issue out of yoke, it's going to pretty much fall on one's face because, again, there's nothing wrong with being, what is it, woke? Because woke is being cool. Hey, guys, I don't know if I told you guys, but um, we are in the process of now funding. Uh, let, let me go ahead and put that on the screen. I think I can put that on the screen. I want to put it on the screen, on the screen, on the screen. Come on, screen. Where are you, screen? Ah, oh, come on. There we go. No, that's books. Not what I wanted. Not what I wanted. Anyhow, I am now funding for our... Um, man, let's see. Page closed. Can you I can now read all our books here? Okay, I got that. I got that. Uh, apparently, I didn't put it on the screen. What can I say? I thought I had it on the screen. Anyhow, I'm going to have to look for it elsewhere. But anyhow, folks, uh, we are funding for the Chicago trip. So anybody who uh, is interested in supporting our trip to Chicago, and, and let me tell you what's great about the trip to Chicago. 
Uh, every video that I make on the trip to Chicago will be, and let me put this in here. Oh, come on. Get in there. Get in there. Get in there. All right. Let's see if I can get this in here. And, and then I'll, I'll start telling you what we're talking about here. Get out of there. Get in there. I'm, I'm trying to get this on the screen right now. So bear with me a second. Sometimes when I try to do 10 things at the same time, I pay the price. All right. There we go. There we go. All right. My trip to Chicago is going to be on July 13th. And we're going to be doing, we're going to be talking to a whole lot of folks. It turns out that Ilan Omar is going to be there. Rashida Talib is going to be there. We're also going to have Mauskinkowski uh, and several other great politicians are going to be out there. Not to speak about, um, uh, I think, uh, a, a lot of the senators are going to be there as well. So we'll be interviewing as, as many folks as I am able to get. Sometimes it's difficult because, especially now, they kind of run in and run out. So I'm going to have to do a lot of mechanics to get these people at the table. But as you can see, that was my setup last year right next to Free Speech TV and Daily uh, Coast Radio on, on, on my uh, right side there. But I, I'm having this great offer now for those who, who start supporting us. All supporters are going to be, I'm going to have a scroll at the end of the, um, and oh, let me go ahead and put this in the, in the feed as well. You can support it by going to that link there. But anyhow, all people who support our trip to Chicago will get, will be listed as producers, you know, producers, creditors, uh, not creditors, supporter producer, supporters, co-producers at the end of every video. I usually do anywhere between 30 or 50 videos, uh, you know, of different interviews. Your name will be listed as, you know, supporters, producers in perpetuity. Also, inside of the description for where we put it on YouTube itself, it will also have your name listed as supporting uh, independent radio ta -ta 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 -ta, to get these things out. Donors who give 100 bucks or more, they're going to get a searchable page on our internet, on our Politics Done Right page. And of course, we got to approve that because we don't want anybody coming onto the page and putting something that is not cool. $200 donors are going to get an embroidered polo shirt and everything the $100 donor gets and everything the regular donors get. So I ask you kindly for those of you who have the wherewithal, support the trip to Chicago. I ask the support for Chicago, well, support for Netroots Nation every year. And the reason why, again, it's expensive and it comes out of the domain of what we do here. So we try to offset as much of our costs as possible because it's fairly expensive to do what we're doing to go to Netroots. Even though I'm on Radio Row as media, still have to get there, still need a couple of mics, etc. So I hope those of you who are able to, the first 20, do oh, thank you for saying that the, the first 20 donors of 35 or more get an autographed copy of It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relative Friends and Neighbors, as well as a Politics Done Right bumper sticker. So I, I, I want to make sure that as, you, that as you as you contribute to the Chicago trip, that you also get something in return, recognition, T-shirt, depending on the amount you give, uh, and, and, and a copy of the book. So what can I say? That is what we do 
for independent media. That is how we fund independent media. If you notice right now, I feel like I feel like a pitchman because for the last few uh, couple of weeks at KPFT, they have me pitching. So I'm having to write the show at the same time that I try to fit some pitching in there because my show at KPFT has to raise has to raise two hundred and fifty dollars every hour that I'm on. That means twelve hundred and fifty dollars a week. I have to raise at KPFT, and of course, I still have to raise money to continue doing our politics done right in general. So the last few weeks have felt like a, we got to keep this thing going. But anyhow, you get it. All right, Lee Grant says, be careful in Chicago. Carnival in Tinsley Park canceled after flash mob of teens start fight. All right, Lee Grant. Uh, Chicago is a fairly safe city. Likewise, it's New York. All these cities are safer than these cities in red states. Okay, look it up on the map. You'll see it. Look it up on the FBI statistics. You'll see it. Please, don't let Fox News scare you to death. So anyhow, folks, please consider. I, let me put the link in there again. Please consider supporting the trip to Chicago as best you can. And please share. Tell folks that you know, hey, Support this independent media guy who does this entirely on a volunteer basis. We, uh, we don't do what others do in this business. You support what we are doing. You support what we are doing. So I ask you again to go to that uh, website that I just gave, the MailChimp that I just gave you there, to support the program. Gonna go early. Hard to read these woke and joke craps. Wake up woke is fine. Thank you so kindly for being here, Bridge MCP. Uh, love you, girl. I understand sometimes it drives you crazy. But you know what? You don't have to take it because I am here to do so. All right? I'll take, I'll, I'll take all the anti-woke stuff from you. Anyway, folks, uh, anyway, anything else anybody wants to say? Anybody want to call in? 281-823-7747. I would love to hear from somebody. Again, 281 823 7747. Anybody want to call in and tell me your piece? Say what you want to say. Give me your thoughts. 713. All right, the 281 823 7747. But he says, Thank you for the show. I say, You're welcome. Tomorrow, I'm, I have another interview that I think you guys are going to love. It's about coming together. Um, it's, it's, it's somebody that, um, that does this for a living. I met this guy in New York at a conference that we had. I think you guys are going to like, uh, the, sh the program for tomorrow. All right, folks. Anyway, seven, uh, two, eight, one, eight, two, three, seven, seven, four, seven. I'm, I'm calling it once. Otherwise I'm going to have to close the show. Anybody want to call in and make a comment? Anybody want to call in and say hi? Anybody want to call in to test it out for me? Anybody want to call in and say whatever we need to say. For those of you that are on podcast, the numbers are only valid during the show while it's live. Again, 281-823-7747. Bruce Fowler said, do you look at budget alternatives? Uh, budget alternatives. Um, actually, no, I did not look at budget alternatives for a specific reason. Uh, I've learned that if I am not on campus, in other words, if I am not in the convention center uh, the, where, where this occurs, because of the amount of 
baggage that I carry, the amount of stuff I have to travel with back and forth, the computers, etc., that I don't leave in the um, that I don't leave inside of the the thing. I make sure to now stay in the in the conference hotel. Oh, federal budget. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the federal budget deficit. I let me tell you, your friend, a friend. Well, it's now my friend because we're all gonna go to coffee. He said he was. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you so kindly. Thank you so kindly, uh, brother Michael Rudden just donated to the to the fund. I appreciate it, Michael. Uh, anyway, folks, listen to this. I'll make sure to get your book out. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, folks. Um. So there are a lot of people that are putting in objections to what the 14th Amendment is saying, right? All the people that used to be literalists now are trying to find all the possibilities why the 14th Amendment should not be used to take care of the debt. And by the way, Bruce, I read what uh, our friend sent, and it doesn't apply really. I know they would, even, even J Janet Yellen would want to say it applies. Here's the deal. Once the, once the Congress passes a law, it is the law of the land. Now, when they talk about if you, if, if you borrow, the, the, the executive have the opportunity to borrow the money to go ahead and pay the bill. When they pass the law, the Congress, they don't then get the opportunity to say that this law can only be paid for if they passed a law. And that, what makes it complicated with the, the piece that your friend sent about the Treasury ha at its discretion can decide what bills and when bills to pay, that doesn't mean anything because that's the executive. The Congress passes the law. The executive executes the law. The law didn't say written, if there's money to pay Social Security, we will. If there's money to pay this XYZ, we will. So therefore, to, to satisfy the law, borrowing must occur. And if borrowing occurs, the federal government is responsible for said borrowing. So if anybody wants to stop the funding of, of, of programs, they can negotiate that. But that has absolutely nothing to do with paying the bills. In other words, it has nothing to do with paying the bills. And I think the, the president needs to just stop playing around and need to get it increase the bill now, today, and tell Yellen to go borrow immediately before anybody can issue an injunction. In other words, Yellen needs to borrow now and stop and, and there enough borrow enough money for a year. And then if some judge creates an injunction, the money's already borrowed. It's that simple. Let's get let let's let's start operating in the manner in which Republicans like to operate. Uh, they like to operate in a wrong and strong manner. Let's operate in a right and strong manner. All right. I got to get out of here. Folks, please, again, please remember, 
to go ahead and support the, our 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 fundraiser for um, the trip to Chicago. And do remember, you are rewarded again. Uh, as I said, all donors will have their names unless anonymous listed in the credit section of every video in the YouTube description of the video as supporters, co-producers, and listed on a special N uh, Netroots Nation 23 page at politicsunright.com. $100 donors may choose to have us create a full internet searchable page at politicsunright.com. Uh, Politics Unright must approve the page to ensure it does not violate copyright or obscenity laws. And any $200 donor gets our new PDR embroidered polo shirts. Likewise, the first 20 donors of 35 or more gets an autographed copy of the book, my book, It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors, and a Politics Done Right sticker. Hey, I think it's, it's a good deal, don't you think? So thank you so kindly, folks, and I'll, I'll listen to those videos that you guys have me in there for. But I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. And how is that again? I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.